Good afternoon, everyone. This is your host, John, of the Research Review, creating a platform for researchers to connect and inspire. I'm here with another excellent guest today, Tyrese. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your research? Hey, my name is Tyrese Benson. I'm a senior here at Kent State. Uh, my major is African Studies with a concentration in community activism strategy development. I'm also the president of Alpha Phi Alpha Epsilon Delta Chapter. And um, my research is based on World War II and the black soldiers that fought for the French, specifically in France, and then also how they were treated in France compared to in the Americas. As of right now, what I, my specific job is being the narrator of that documentary. I also do my own research when it comes to uh, interview, interviewing and then also editing those videos of, for my research. There's four parts to the documentary. documentary. Uh, we end up fi uh, finishing all four parts, but we're still looking for more uh, narrators. I think it's about maybe, I want to say seven or eight parts that we're looking for. I do have uh, up to three to four parts already taken up, but I am looking for two women and two males, I believe, to add on to their um, add their voices to the documentary because I, I, I am the narrator and the narr narrator doesn't really quote historical figures in that documentary where right. they have important quotes that feeds into the documentary and what their research is about. But, but my research, I feel like is, is truly important because not a lot of people know what black soldiers went through, especially during World War II, and also how they were treated by their own comrades that wore the same uniform as them, but different skin color. Mm -hmm. The first part of the documentary explains the French meeting the French meeting black GIs and how they reacted to them. And a lot of French really respected and basically did glorify a lot of black black GIs just based off the fact that they were treating them like humans. During World War II, Hitler and the Nazis invaded France to control basically all of Europe and you know, starting at France. When controlling France, they had to control their supplies and what the French people ate and this, that, and the third. And when the black soldiers came to uh, the country of France, uh, most of them were serving as supply units. The Red Ball Express was the main supply unit that, that people know of in um, World War II. But a lot of black soldiers basically fed the French. You know, They gave them chewing gum, food that, uh, that, that came up to bread, water, and also um, the French rewarded them with wine, you know, something mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what France is really known for. But um, we oui, oui. We oui, oui. So <laughs> when, when the black soldiers were treating uh, the French civilians with kindness, that that's when the, the energy was reciprocated to the black soldiers and they were treated as if they were humans. But that's something that they weren't used to in the right. Americas, you know, they, they, were, they were still fighting Jim Crow and just segregation, period. This is the 1940s. So this is deep in Jim Crow, even maybe less than 100 years after slavery was abolished. So it's still a lot of people in America is not getting over the fact that there's black people that's free. Mm -hmm. And when fighting for the U.S. Army, black soldiers couldn't serve as, as combat soldiers. They had to just serve as either in the kitchen, basically being janitors, and also um, supply units. A little bit about me. My great-grandfather, um, he served in World War II, but in the Navy. Mm -hmm. He served in the kitchen. So for like that's an example of what both black soldiers usually typically did back then but then this uh, documentary explains how black soldiers overcame their white counterparts when when fighting with them and then also how they can how they also try to 
change that type of feeling of segregation. This story is a story about uh, Walter B. Stead. He's a white combat, so a white tanker specifically, a, a combat soldier. Mm-hmm. And he explains how he was walking around somewhere in France and he met a, a black sergeant of the Red Ball Express or another supply unit. He invited him and his other own white comrades to play baseball. But the one specific thing he, t- he told Walter B. Stead was that this is not going to be a white on white on black type of things. We're going to be all in one team playing right. each other. So that's something that that that's, that's, that's really signify how black soldiers try to at least change the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, they they, they want to play America's best pastime back then, and also they wanted to play together. And he also talks about how a lot of his his, uh, his um those black soldiers he eventually became friends with due to that. You know, yeah. So. It's not just like they wanted to play baseball; they wanted to build relationships, and this is that's something important. I believe that this documentary also explains on how how they, even though they were treated poorly, they they weren't trying to treat others poorly. You know, they was they was trying to even though they were they were um, getting yelled at, slur, they, slurs, this, that, and yeah. the third. You know, they were still trying to um, they, turn, they turn were, the other cheek. They know? were being the bigger person, the, in the being situation, the bigger person, which in is situations. what we need. Yeah, exactly. So. That, that's something that the documentary that documentary really shows, but I believe that other documentaries that's about World War II, and I, get, I haven't really seen the documentaries about black soldiers in World War II. So this is the first black doc, uh, documentary that I know that incorporate black soldiers in warfare. So I feel like this shows what black soldiers went through, but also about how they overcame it, and basically show how they are humans, you know. Right. There's also a part in the documentary, it's not part one or two, it's more towards the end. Uh-huh. It's about Dory Miller, who served as a Navy kitchen uh, kitchen duty, like how my grand- great-grandfather mm-hmm. did. Now, did, did. Do you know anything about your great-grandfather's personal experience in the war? Actually, I didn't. Um, my great-grandfather is from Louisiana, Franklinton, to be spe- uh, specific. But my great-grandmother, she's lived there just as long as I knew her. And she really didn't know my great-grandfather after the war because they met in Cleveland after he was um, after he came back from the war okay. and then he brought her down to Louisiana so he I really didn't ask her all these questions just because I didn't want her to feel some type of way to, when I'm asking about her uh, her late husband because mm-hmm. he passed away but then also um, I'm pretty sure he didn't really tell her a lot just because he didn't want to relive what he experienced yeah so I believe that's part of the reason why most black soldiers don't like to read talk like talk about what happened to them especially if they're veterans from the from World War II to Vietnam those are times where racism was at its peak. I mean, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't, they wouldn't mind, especially if they're talking to someone of the same race or ethnicity, they wouldn't mind. But at the end of the day, they still have that type of boundary when it comes to telling their story because that's something they have to basically relive. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of emotions have to come back come back up, you know? Yeah, that, that's why it's important that you're representing this history through your project yeah. so everyone you know, can have an understanding of this. Uh, you were talking about the that one specific character. Oh yeah, Dory Miller. So yeah. Dory Miller, he, uh, he served in the kitchen just like how my grandfather did. But um, I believe he served in the kitchen during the time of Pearl Harbor. He just took the initiative to save the the captain of the captain of the ship. He was caught with a shrapnel shrapnel wound. I'm not sure where, but shrapnel wound in his body. He patched him up, got him out of got him to safety, and then eventually grabbed a high caliber machine gun and start shooting at planes you yeah. know he was first not a combat soldier so he never had no type of training no type of experience with shooting a gun period he That's just badass. so he just <laughs> just did whatever he thought right. was right so he shot, planes, shot some planes down but it wasn't you know, the whole 
the whole shebang because Pearl Harbor still happened. A lot of people died, and yeah. but he, uh, a lot of researchers said that he saved up to three hundred or four hundred people that could have died. Wow! So it's not like that's huge. It's not like he didn't do anything. He yeah. did something that not even white soldiers, white soldiers don't even even know about. That right there shows the initiative that a lot of black soldiers took to just to save lives. Like he's a, a human being. Like he want to save lives. He's in the war to save their country and save lives. And even though basically being a combat soldier at that time is illegal for a black man to be. Mm-hmm. He he didn't care. He 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 took the initiative to save lives. And right. he was I forgot what what medal he was awarded but at the end of the war he was he was recognized, awarded, but they still didn't just they still didn't want to talk about him just because he was a black soldier. But even though the media didn't want to talk to talk about him, the military gave him his his props because he saved the captain and then he shot down some planes. That mm-hmm. and he's a black man doing it, so right. it's not like this is something that is normal. This this is like like seeing a cow jump over the moon, basically. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that I, I, I think that's really um, that, that stuck with me. I say just because that's that's something I never knew. I never right. knew Dory Miller too. I started doing this research. You said three hundred to four hundred people. He saved. He saved. That dude is an absolute hero. And Tyrese, you were doing a fantastic job highlighting this yeah. history. I never knew anything about this either. Mm-hmm. It's a clear, there's a clear example on why this is a gap that needs to be filled. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the documentary also talks about within the same segment of Dory Miller, uh, Wendell Wilkie. I'm not sure if anybody know who Wendell Wilkie is. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, Wendell Wilkie. He was a Republican nominee. Um, actually, he was a Republican candidate. Uh, mm-hmm. Candidate. He actually won, won the Republican nomination. This is within the World War, War the World Wars and World War II specifically. He, he was pro equal uh, equality. He was pro. Right. Let's all live the same life and be treated as we're, you know as as humans as together. So he he ended up winning the Republican nomination, but ended up losing to I believe not not Harry Truman, but Harry Truman ended up being coming that president. But he ended up winning the Republican nomination, and he, he he was close to actually winning to become the president of the United States. But he ended up passing away due to who knows? Literally, who knows? Yeah, he like he just died out of nowhere, and we don't know if it's because. Either a white supremacist killed him, or either cancer, this, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. But and they would have covered that up. And you just said you don't know Wendell Wilkie, right? I'm pretty sure this maybe 70 percent to 80 percent of Kent State students, or maybe more than that, don't even know who Wendell Wilkie is. Yeah. So he was he was important for equality, and I believe truly, if he never was never killed or passed away, died, that he will he would have become president because he had I want to say most uh, not most of the South, but the top half of the South and then more the North and West for his vote. So if he never passed away because a Republican did end up mm-hmm. end up winning the presidency. But after a year he passed away and then Harry Truman ended up taking over the reins. But Harry Truman was not gonna be the vice president when the wiki was. Yeah. So if he never passed away, the president then would have passed away and then when the wiki would have been the president. But they end up both passing away. So that ended up turning into a whole like a whole new type of um, lifestyle for Americans, uh-huh. just because I mean, Harry Truman wasn't Wendell Wilkie. You know, I mean, even though he did push for a little bit of equality and equal rights, it wasn't the magnitude of Wendell Wilkie. He ran for equality. Mm-hmm. That that was his purpose, and he ended up passing away. And that's something that a lot of Americans don't know. They don't. They, I feel like they don't even take the initiative to know. You know. Yeah. So. I think that's something that this documentary also points out that, that a lot of people don't know either. Like, we have Dory Miller and Wendell Wilkie, two American 
history legends for equal rights and we don't know nothing about them right so, no so. that's that's very important because i don't know anything about that segment in history or mm-hmm. any of those people now you said that there were four segments of the documentary right yep. and then the first one highlighted the french meeting the black gis mm-hmm. um what were two three and four Four it was about the Americans, oh, the black soldiers coming home, the Americans coming home from okay. the war, and how they were still being treated, and how they was fighting for a country to be liberated from the Germans, but coming back to a country that was that was still discriminating, segregating. So this is something that eventually leads up. So the first part is about the French encountering the Americans, and then the second part was about how black soldiers were being basically how black soldiers were being treated by u.s military and, but then the third part that's when i talk about watch beast it and yeah. how they they play baseball uh-huh. and they play together as a team okay. and everything so this the first part is the blacks coming into france and then the second part is the black soldiers roles in the military and then third part goes until like the emotions of the soldiers the black soldiers and yeah. then Coming back home is the fourth part. Mm-hmm. I, I really like how you guys organize this whole documentary. Yeah, it's, it's like trying to just lead up to how it still haven't changed, but it still, but it showed type of it showed improvement in, a, in another country. I would say, I don't yeah. Know, so, are there any projects you're going to do off of this to examine our current state right now? Um, I want to say I am going to do a type of documentary of our current state now, but it's not going to be like a runoff. Right, it's going to be its own independent, it's, going to be its own independent yeah. type of thing. But I think that's a good idea, just just to show how like things change, but things hasn't changed to a certain extent. I'll say just because I feel like racism will never never die. Mm-hmm. I mean, good like it's, someone's told me, good will never exist without evil. Light will never exist without dark. So racism will always be always be here. People that's racist and people that's not racist. Though that that's those two 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 different type of people in the world. Mm-hmm. So. I feel that even though the next documentary that we are working on or will be working on is going to be its own independent type of deal, we can still make the connections on how it still hasn't changed then and how it been then and to compare it to now, 2022 mm-hmm. to 1942, you know? Yeah. So a lot of a lot of ideas did come just from this one documentary, just how we're going to attack it is the next part, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this documentary did teach me a lot of things just about myself personally too not just as a researcher but just as a man too yeah so what's some of the things uh most important things that you've learned from the um, process like how we talked before about me slowing down when i talk um, especially when i get excited about some important information that i want to tell somebody Mm -hmm. like you know deshaun watson was just back on the ground like that's (laughs) not what i'm talking about you know yeah but um this is something that I'm excited to talk about, but people need to hear. You yeah, know? I can't, I can't, I can't ramble about this. You know, I can't mm-hmm. just keep talking. I need to have organized thoughts, right? And also, I need to ha- uh, need to have enunciation when I talk. I need to make sure I open my mouth because mm-hmm. my dad always told me that was my problem as a kid and growing up as a man that I mumble a lot. Even yeah. even having a deep voice, I mumbled. And so I believe being a researcher and uh, also a narrator. It's teaching me how to organize my thoughts when before talking and then when talking, slowing down so people can hear what I'm saying. Right. I think that's a huge skill most people do not realize is being able to communicate your ideas. Because mm-hmm. you could have the most excellent idea in the world, but no one will care about it unless you get that across to them efficiently exactly. and help them understand why it is so important. 
I, I, I also especially believe like if this something I really truly love and I want to continue doing, I mm-hmm. wouldn't rush it. You know, I wouldn't try to get it done as soon as possible. I want to, I want to do this, I'll make this last forever. Right. But I can't. You know, it's going to be an hour and ten minutes, maybe an hour and thirty minutes. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I want to make it feel like it's forever. You know, I want to have it. I want to like if you know you know how you can feel people's words. Yeah. I want people to feel what I have to say. You know, I don't want them to just. Oh, he just said this. Okay, that's nice. No, he got a nice voice on the center. I want him. I want. I want everybody to understand what I'm saying, to feel what I'm saying, and then say I have a nice voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't really care. I don't care about having a nice voice. I care about relaying the information through my voice. Right. You know. Yeah. And a lot. Not a lot of people ha- has to have the ability to do the research and then transfer this research into visuals, like you know, mm-hmm. in audio. You know. So I can't really rush what i'm saying i have to take my time first with the research get my thoughts and organize my research together and then organize it in a way where people can understand too because not a lot of people know what i'm talking about i have to put it in layman terms i right. have to put uh, everything into a way that even a six six year old can understand what i'm talking about mm-hmm. so like it's not like i can just talk about my research and expect people to understand what i'm talking about i have to organize my thoughts my words and then also organize how other people can interpret my words like think about how other people you know, hear, hear what i'm saying and also see what what, what i'm um editing in in the documentary and then when it comes to talking it's just having emotions like scenes where it's funny scenes where it's sad scenes where like oh my god this is like outrageous i need to put the emphasis in my voice and mm-hmm. also just have that emotion to, to, to make people like feel what I'm saying. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's one huge trait that I, I picked up about myself and something that I need to continue to work on. Even if I notice it now, I still need to work on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's still, still a job that I need to, I need to improve on and something I still need to basically work on. But this is, this is something I do see myself continue to do, you know, till, till I'm dead basically. Yeah. You know? As in making content like this? Yeah. The documentaries? Yeah. Documentaries and just, research period yeah even if i'm journaling if i'm getting writing it in a newspaper i mm-hmm. still want to have the same type of diction the same type of type of just words that, that people can understand and also just they can feel like I, like it's something that i feel like that's important that for people to know to get to understand that what, I, what i'm doing isn't just i'm not just saying it i'm i'm meaning it i'm right so there's an actual force behind your words exactly yeah i liked i liked what you said about you have a a very unique voice Mm -hmm. and it's it's awesome and i think it's a tool that can be used to carry you a long way yeah but like you were saying you use that voice and your communication skills Mm -hmm. to present your ideas and your research Mm -hmm. and you don't use your research and your ideas as a way to get your your voice and communication skills out there yeah yeah exactly and like my, my dad always told me that I mumble. So like even hearing him say that, that pisses me off. Like I, I don't mumble that, I don't do this, but I do. Like I, like I have to take accountability on my own, like my own voice and like like how I can be better. So even my father keep telling me even to today, like I mumble. It's just a reminder of how I need to slow down and op- also open my mouth and just go, go back to my, my narration days and how I, like how my mentor tell me, slow down, make sure you say this word. Yeah, It's a it's a habit I need to build for myself, basically. It's just, just to slow down and talk with emphasis. Right. Yeah. So... I think that's something I, I really, that's the number one thing I took from this this research experience starting this summer. But 
he's also my mentor. He's also teaching me how to edit videos. Back in my day, <laughs> I'm 22. I'm 22. <laughs> but back in my day in 2015, 16-ish, uh, um, I worked for the Mary Youth Summer Program. Mm -hmm. And my job there was a videographer. I was learning how to edit videos, uh, mix and master music, and uh, audio editing too when I was 15. But I lost, yeah. some, I lost some of that skills and I lost some of um, that ambition, I say, just to, to get back into it because I really enjoyed that job. I had fun. I learned a lot of stuff. And I feel like I just, ever since I started playing football, I just lost interest and just didn't think this would be a part of my life again. Yeah, your but, priorities just switch up. Yeah, just like basically. But when I start, when I came to Kent State and I started doing this program, it just it, it brought back to light what I used to love. Yeah, I, I like back in my I can say back in my day again, but back in my day again, we're old if we're, you think I, about I, it. Like, like we've been mean, around for a minute. I mean, yeah, this, this we're we're about to start paying like mortgages and yeah. stuff. So like <laughs> we're grown, <laughs> we're grown really. But back in my day. I used to love photography mm -hmm. and videography. Really? So just photography? Yeah, specifically photography. Yeah, My, I, I I do photography. Really? Oh, yeah. I never talked about this. That's crazy. But talk about it later. Yeah. Um <laughs> but that's something that I love. Like photography is something that I, I adored back in um back in my day. But um I, I learned more editing videos and audio than photos. Mm -hmm. And having this experience making and uh, editing documentaries for like videography I'm more leaning towards. Yeah. But photography is like the heart, like that's part of my heart, you know. But videography is, I feel like that's going to be my money maker, you know. Right. Uh, I'm learning how to edit a uh, edit a whole movie. So like learning how to edit a movie is something that not a lot of people know how to do, especially in this generation. They know how to know uh, edit music and I mean uh, audio uh, mix and master music because a lot of wanna, a lot of people want to become musicians. A lot mm -hmm. of people want to make money doing that and not like music videos. So. It's something that I believe that's an important life skill, especially um, me being an ex-athlete, knowing how important film is for high school students I want to go play college football or yeah. just, just sports, period. So I, I advertise that to my old high school that if anybody need help editing videos, knowing how to like order your highlights for college coaches to see, mm -hmm. I feel like having this experience helped me to do it because now like using using Huddle, isn't, yeah, I had the huddle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, using huddle is is it's cool. You know, you can edit video. I mean, edit your highlights on that. But having someone that first went through the recruiting process, so mm -hmm. uh, knowing what the coaches want to see first and know how to order it, and then highlighting yourself as a player instead yeah. of like you know watching the whole team work. Like the, the coaches want to see you play. They don't want to see the whole offensive line. Right. You know, filling in gaps. They they want to see the running back run the ball. So having video editor highlighting you as a player, and then maybe just even teaching you how to edit your own video, your own highlights, is something that's important for people that's not even in college yet. They want to get recruited to play football. They need a film. This is twenty twenty two. This is not like the the eighties where newspapers yeah. is your <laughs> is your highlight reel. That goes back to the whole thing where it doesn't matter how good your idea is or how valuable your skill set is, how yeah. good you are playing football. Mm -hmm. If you don't promote yourself and you don't know how to advertise that, mm -hmm. then no one's going to know about it. Exactly. You know? Especially if you're the only person that's doing it. Like, there's nobody like, oh, my God, like, I, I want to do this for you because I see that your, your, your potential. If you see your own potential, you're going to have to do everything yourself. Right. So I got something I also took away from this a research experience. This how to edit videos, even though it's not research, it's a skill that yeah. I learned. So like researching period is something that this whole short program helped me with. 
I'm also taking a research method class. So like being a part of this program and then also taking a class on research is something that I can take from that class into my research. Uh-huh. It is like it's something that is really important to me. And like having a research skills is something that you can take on after college, even yeah. if you don't plan on going to college, you know how to, to interview you know how to you know how to ask people to feel comfortable to get their information out. Like my research deals with a lot of old people, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't want to make that sound bad like old people, but right, it's just a different generation. It's just a different generation, and especially a gen- uh, a generation where they seen a lot of trauma, having to go back to that trauma and understand like this is just for research. This is not to make you feel some like I don't want to make you cry. I want to make you. I want to make make sure your story is being told yeah. correctly and. Even though like 2022 is about to become 2023, not a lot of people that serve in World War II will be here, mm-hmm. especially in the next 10 years. So like having that, I mean, having the skills to have someone feel comfortable to tell their story of something that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago and a, tra- a traumatic experience that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago is something that I feel like is super important. Mm-hmm. For, for researchers to know, like to perform. Like you, you have to make someone feel comfortable before you interview them just right. because this is something that you're asking for them, one. And then two, this is something that they truly don't really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they seen people die. They've seen people get terrorized. They've they even been terrorized themselves. Yeah. So it's not like you ask somebody, can you tell me how you survived being in the tank explosion? It's like, do you really want to talk about you almost dying again? Yeah. But being the interview with Watcher Beastead, the tanker, he... He's so sharp. Like he, he remember almost everything, and he felt so comfortable telling telling me everything just because he knew the purpose of my research, mm-hmm. and he also knew that I wouldn't twist his story. I wouldn't make him. His, his story is important, right? And you're, on his, you're on his side, and I'm on his side. I yeah. want to make him feel like that this is something that this gonna it's gonna change the world for a few people, for some people, but it's, it's gonna change the world. Period. Just mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna make people realize that yeah, World War Two was. There's a lot of stuff going on there, yeah. but just, I feel like research period is something that I, is a skill that you, you have to learn. Like you just can't be a researcher. You can't you can't go to college. But I want to become a, a famous researcher, and I want to and I want to just do it, interview everybody, and just find my own type of sources, and mm-hmm. then make money off that. Like you you have to build up these skills. You have to go through trials and tribulations. You have to get told no, so you can understand why you was told no. Like right. I don't so. You you have to fail. You have to fail mm-hmm. exactly, and that's that's with every, literally everything, even research. You probably need this person to t- like bad, like because their their experience that they had is something that your research is all about. Mm-hmm. But their experience was so it was so bad that they don't want to tell you. They're gonna tell you no. So you you have to understand why they told you no, and then maybe hopefully you understand why, and then you ask them maybe a second time try to make them feel comfortable so they can say yes you don't want to force anybody you know you got to respect the boundaries this is like an experiment like this is all voluntarily Mm -hmm. respect their boundaries and make sure they feel that this is going to be for a good cause that you're not going to embarrass them you're going to not going to make them seem like they're what they did was was inhumane this that and the third you want you want to make them feel comfortable when Mm -hmm. it comes to interviewing and when when my type of interview i use a camera too so having also a camera in front of their face is going to make them feel like oh my god this is a lot going on i don't want to be recorded this is this is a lot of patience when it comes to this and then also a lot of 
interactions to, to get to know them personally. Like you, you don't want to just use them. You know, you want right. to get to know the person first, so yeah. you can make him feel like, okay, he's not using me. Like, I feel like that. This this guy really wants to know me just to know me. You know, just he know that he know that my experience is this, that, and the third, but he still wants to know me. Mm-hmm. So this is something I believe that the short program, even though they give wonderful opportunities for researchers like me. It also it, sh- it shows the the trials and tribulations of what researchers do go through. And even though I'm I'm, I'm doing my best trying to um, get my research up, uh, there's some people that's going to like it's going to delay that process. But mm-hmm. it's not going to it's not supposed to be discouraging. It's supposed to be a, le- a lesson that you're learning. Right. Yeah. So I believe that's something that's that, that the short program and just being a researcher is just oh, everything I learned is and just. Yeah. The, the lessons out there to learn in research are endless. Yeah. And I've said this on pretty much every single episode, but I've learned more doing research and applying my skills mm-hmm. through the process rather than sitting down and learning material through my classes. I've learned more actually going out there and applying my skills. Yeah. How does it feel to be the interviewee now? <laughs> oh, man. I- I feel like it's it's a conversation. I don't even think I feel like I don't feel like I'm being interviewed really. I just it's like how you make me feel comfortable. Yeah. And then I'm okay with talking to you. It's the same way I had need to do with my um my um my interviewees. Mm-hmm. So I just I just feel like, you know, you butter me up and then you know, I'm okay with talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, it's, I don't feel like I'm being interviewed. Right. I mean it's pretty much just like the same conversation that we had before the podcast. Yeah. 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 So it's just a mic's in our face, you know. But like being a, being an interviewer is something I could see myself doing for the rest of my life, and then also mm-hmm. making my own documentaries just because my my mentor did such a good job when it comes to first narrating videos. Like we use Morgan Freeman as a reference a lot, yeah. just because Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman, you know. He's top of the line. He's top of the <laughs> line. So more, like we use him as a reference of who I want to be as a as a narrator, mm-hmm. but then as a video editor and a director of doc- documentaries, I want to you know start my my own legacy. I'll say, yeah. You know? Like oh, Tyrese Benson's such a great director, but mm-hmm. you want to make a name for yourself, make, yeah, yeah. And then like Go I don't want your ideas. Yeah, I don't want to narrate like Morgan Freeman. He's just a reference. I want to start my own legacy like that. Too, yeah, you know, look up to people and like have role models, mm-hmm. but like make your own authentic self. Make yourself so authentic where the next generation is going to be looking up to you, just exactly. like as you did Morgan Freeman. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though Morgan Freeman is an amazing actor too, like mm-hmm. his narration is top of the line too and his, like you can hear him it's like every time he's talking he's narrating but that's just how he talks but yeah it's just something that i feel like looking up to others that's in, in the position that you eventually want to be is also it's something that a lot of people need to to do because there's a lot of people that take criticism from people that's not doing what they're doing and, and that's something that tears a lot of people down for no reason you know mm-hmm. if you want to become an astronaut you wouldn't let lebron be like you wouldn't <laughs> let lebron tell you you can't be an astronaut right you know? So, like, it's something that you, you, you can't let people get to. First, be confident in yourself and what you can do, and then also just do it. You know, right. if you fail, you fail. But if you fail and someone's telling you how they they improve in the same situation, mm-hmm. don't just be like, oh, okay, he said that. I'm taking in what they said. Yeah. But if someone's in the exact, exact opposite, then that's when you'd be like, oh, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Right. And it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Because the people who tell you that are your closest friends exactly. and your family. Exactly. And you love them to death. But, I mean, you really look at the situation and you're like, is that where that I want to be? Is yeah. that where I'm trying to go? And even though I love them, why am I taking advice from them on this specific goal if they haven't achieved it? Exactly. And the type of person that I am. If someone like in my family, uh, someone I, I love, 
all my heart, I would tell him the, well, this is what anybody, truthfully, I'm the type of person, I, I will tell you how I'm feeling and then the, the honest truth. And then if you try to give me some advice or criticism, you will see either in my voice, or I'll tell you, like, I, I, I respect what you have to say. Right. Or what are you talking about? Who are you? Just that and the third. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, my mom, I love my mom to death, she, she would try to coach me on how to be a football player. My mom was a cheerleader and she ran track. <laughs> so like, she's like, I understand like my mom, she 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 wants to be the best, she wants to see the best in me, but yeah. I'm not gonna take my mom advice on how to throw a football. Mm-hmm. But I will take her, her advice on how to stitch somebody up. Right. She's a nurse. Yeah. So you, you have to pick and choose who you want to admire. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't admire somebody because they make a lot of money. Yeah. You have to admire somebody because they're happy and like, like, a lot of people want, want to think happiness is making a lot of money or just having a comfortable life, I'll say. But so the, the quote is, the richest man in the world or the wealthier man is not the man who makes the most money, but the man with the least amount of needs. Mm-hmm. So even though you want designer shoes, designer, you no, know, this, that, and the third, mm-hmm. you, you don't need it. You, like, it's closed. Go right. to the thrift shop, you know? <laughs> and even though, like, you... You love watching football. You don't need five TVs in your house. Mm-hmm. You just take one TV or watch it on your phone. Yeah. So it's, this is something like take what you need type of thing. Right. Don't and yeah. Don't. Life's not about material things. Exactly. It's about it's about the people we surround ourselves with. It's about the it's about the things that we're creating. Life starts in my mind, mm-hmm. and I take what I'm thinking. I take my ideas, and then I see them start to form the physical reality Mm -hmm. and i look at that and i'm like that's me living you Mm -hmm. know what i mean that's what life's all about to me personally i believe so too Mm -hmm. but i don't want to say this but it's also a money thing like we're living in a world where you need money to do a lot of things money 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 makes things money 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 helps take that yeah yeah but it doesn't create happiness right but a a lot of a lot of things require money and that's the sad thing about it. I always get upset the fact that money is man-made, but they, they made it man-made for a reason, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's okay. Uh, I'm not really one to complain, but I just don't like the fact that I got to pay bills for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is what it is. Man, I mean, as long as I'm still happy and I can, right. still, and I can still afford what I need, then mm-hmm. that's, what all, that's all I need to care about. Yeah. You know? So you said you had ideas of documentaries in the future. Mm-hmm. What are some of those that you want to produce? So recently, me and my mentor talked about our next project that we were willing to work on together, and he 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 pointed the fact that I'm I'm the one that's really going that's really going to be working on it. But this next project that we're thinking about working on is segregation and discrimination with, within Kent State students and just Kent as a whole from the May Fourth, nineteen nineteen seventy shooting mm-hmm. to basically now twenty twenty two. And that deals with a lot of research with archives of Kent State in the 60s and then interviewing Kent State students and faculty and staff now. Yeah. So, like, when it comes to researching for that, I have to go basically to the library or go on Kent State archives and do my own research there. And then eventually when I have what I have for then in the 1960s to maybe the 80s to 90s, I'll do research on the faculty and staff and who were Kent State students here and mm-hmm. then now then the students. So I can get what, what they see and what, what, what they believe can still do as a university when it comes to segregating or yeah. just, just clubs or groups or what do people see at Kent State when it comes to 
segregating ethnicities or races or just certain type of people. Not, mm-hmm. this, this, this is not black and white. This is not black and white. Of course, it's going to start when it comes to black and white, but this is going to be just as students. Do the relationship between the white, the black, the Hispanics, all in the clubs and in how they interact interact outside and then with on the outside campus like mm-hmm. from a student's perspective from a student per- yeah. perspective but then eventually we're going to get to how it was as just a faculty and staff and students as a whole mm-hmm. just because there's still a lot of critical race theorists out here that believe that Kent State is still going through hardships when it comes to segregation and just racism period yeah um what is critical race theory exactly for people who listening who may not know my major is African studies, mm-hmm. and that would be considered a critical race theory topic. So another topic will be feminism, uh, the LGBTQ. That that would be another critical race, uh, just because it, it deals with social science. Is right. basically what critical race theory eventually is: is social science, but it also deals with how community is as a whole, as a, as a black community is, and how also those black people in the community treat those others in the community, mm-hmm. and then also those looking within those communities, how they see them, and then how they're being treated and how, or how they're treating them. Okay. So it's, critical race theory just deals with race, gender, and then sexuality. Yeah. That's what critical race theory is. It's just the study of all that within that, and then the social science aspect of that too. So okay. that's what critical race theory is mainly is, is about, and I can get more into detail, but I have to you know, do some studying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, just, just kind of like a, a brief explanation for yeah. like people who don't know. Yeah, yeah, but um, I'm not sure if you, if anybody knows that, but House Bill 327 deals with critical race theory. Do you, do you know about the, the Texas law, uh, law in Texas where they ban critical race theory in, in um, K-12 schools? Yes, so, I've heard about that, so but I wasn't. It's basically the House Bill 327 is basically that same bill. Mm-hmm. So if that bill ended up being passed, my major is going to get taken away. Yeah. From here? From here, like all of Ohio. This, 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 this deals with K-12 and also just... So it's it's, it's it's not it's not just dealing with education in the state of Texas. It's a it's a national thing. I don't want to say or national, it, but it's eventually it's it's looking like it's turning into national a national type of thing. Just because the House Bill three twenty seven deals with critical race theory and banning that, just because not not a lot of white students specifically feel like they they feel comfortable learning about what their ancestors did to my ancestors. Mm-hmm. So it deals with that, but. That's why it's not being taught in Texas because that's what a lot of students and parents feel that they students shouldn't be learning. Yeah, especially in K through twelve or even in college. But here in Kent State, our African Studies department is running low. It's only four majors, me including, into that four, and then it's only twenty minors. So. I believe there's only one sophomore that's a major, and I th- I don't know how many minors, but I do know a lot of minors personally, and they're seniors and juniors. So eventually, when they do graduate, yeah, the, the number's going to get smaller. What What would you say to incoming students to encourage them to pursue that major? Like, how is it How has it helped you? So it helped me just to get to know my history period but also it, it helps me understand those around me it, like i said it's a social science so like I, i'm the type of person i read a lot of people i'm, I'm, I'm observant and i just i react to what others react to and then i also react to people who that haven't had a reaction yet to a certain things so if you're an incoming freshman here at come to kent state and you're still undecided you're not sure and you're really interested in social sciences critical race theory and also just 
experiences within different races and group and ethnicities here at Kent State and as the city or a, a nationwide as a whole, then this is something that's meant for you. Um, but you can also take this into uh, like I told I told you earlier. I think I want to teach. Yeah. So uh, I want to teach critical race theory and also just black power history, uh, black mm-hmm. power civil rights history, and African American history as a whole. So this this also is a history aspect about it too. So you're, you're gonna have you're gonna have to learn your history to be an African studies major or a, or, or be a part of critical critical race theory at Kent State. You have you, you will have to take history classes, history courses, but you also will take theory classes. Mm-hmm. You, will, you will take classes about um, how to con- conduct research, just like how I'm doing right now, and also like you take classes about feminism, women, uh, black women, and what they went through mm-hmm. after slavery until now. So you just get to understand other people's perspectives and walk in their shoes, basically. And that's something that I believe not a lot of people understand is perspectives. Like yeah. It's uh, understanding why why people do what they do and the trauma they, they experience uh, influence what they do or whatever. So it's, it's something that, that can be branched out in many different ways. I, I know somebody that's a photography major, mm-hmm. but minors in Africana studies. So I can see what they want to do in life. They want to take pictures of important events in history when it comes to like protesting and, um, and just political aspects of black power mm-hmm. and theorists that has any critiques when it comes to black power. But it, I feel like, even though the numbers of people that's in the African studies program will be smaller when I graduate or after the next semester when others graduate, when I do graduate, the number will rise again just because this is something that's really important to yeah. understand why people do what they do. Like this is not, I want to learn black, like black history because I think it's cool. This is, I want to learn black power because this, it, this will eventually, history always repeats itself. So mm-hmm. this will happen again. Everything that we've been to will eventually happen again. I'm not sure saying like slavery will happen again, but discrimination is always going to be here. Yeah. Segregation will always be here. Like I said, racism, racism will always be here. So those two things, segregation, discrimination, and just racism, period, will always be here. So having that type of knowledge on why people do what they do is so important just because you can understand what they're doing and how it affects other people around them, especially them as a, them as a human being, period. Yeah. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, oh African studies isn't isn't really a major. It's like it's a study, you know, like different studies. You know? mm-hmm. But you can do a lot with your, your, your African studies degree. It's, it's not like it's it's just other like just one job specifically for this job. Like you can you can go on high schools and teach. You can start working in nonprofits. You can end up eventually going to politics. You can go to law school. Yeah, that, like, that's just so cool. Is I mean, it gives you it gives you a foundation to expand your own perception of things and your knowledge and then you can kind of branch off and then bounce and do whatever you want to do exactly i mean it's kind of limitless it's kind Mm -hmm. of endless Mm -hmm. it is limitless i feel like i had to make that little psa about pan-african studies and how the numbers is really low and we're looking for more people with with like-minded and uh ideas of being a um kind of studies major or even a minor like we, we just need numbers in this program yeah and this is the first year where the graduate program is adding African studies as a minor. So, like, if you're uh, going to grad school and you want to um, have some African studies or um, s- some of that in your background, you can minor in this, like, mm-hmm. in grad school. If you want to do this, we're everywhere. We can, we can, we can offer you it well, everywhere in Kent. I'll say I'm not sure if in Akron or Cleveland State there there are African American like study courses, but it's not a major, not a minor. Yeah. But this is like one of the only schools in Ohio that has this offered as a major and a minor in undergrad at least. Mm-hmm. So 
I'll say to those, especially those of color too, who's listening, that if, if you're interested in, in, in also staying connected to your, your roots and also knowing what your ancestors did for you and what you can do for your next generations, uh, I, I really recommend being part of this, uh, this, this program and being a major or minor or just being a major. That's, that's, that's who I am. It's also four different concentrations within Africana studies. I don't remember all, huh. but I do remember mine. <laughs> mine is community activism, strategy, and development. So eventually I do want to go into politics, but that's going to be later down the line. After I teach, after I get my teacher certificate, but I do eventually want to go into politics. But that's something that, that I still it's going to be set on the side, so it's going to be something I'm going to do eventually. Mm-hmm. But to those who uh, have the same path as me because I know we're, we're all different but we also are the same at the end of the day but uh, those who have the same path as me if, if you're interested then I'll, I'll say come to Oscar Ritchie um, and speak to Professor Felix I really don't remember his full name uh, it's pretty long I'm not gonna lie but Professor Felix uh, he's um, the director of African Studies so if you have any questions you can contact me and I can give you his inf- information about that online and yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I don't leave no words to say. Yeah. Yeah. The African studies degree sounds kind of similar to my public health degree in mm-hmm. a way. Our college is also very small. Kent State is yeah. also another one of the one of the few schools that offers this mm-hmm. as an undergrad. It's very popular for masters, yeah. but this is a fairly new undergrad program. Yeah. You can also get it into a minor. Yeah. And it's 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 broad as well. What are you gonna do? You know, social work, be a community educator, a teacher. Right. You work in the nonprofit. A lot of yeah. people go off to yeah. the nonprofit organizations. And I chose public health as my undergrad because I wanted to become a doctor. Oh yeah. I plan to go to medical school afterwards. And a lot of my fellow peers they choose biology and then yeah. they choose chemistry. Yeah. I think this uh, public health degree for a lot of anyone who wants to get into the healthcare mm-hmm. system is really going to help benefit your perspective when you're able to get an understanding of different communities, how to treat people as a whole, and the different perspectives that people have. Mm -hmm. I mean, looking at healthcare as a bigger picture in terms of sociology and in terms of history, it kind of merges those two things together. I mean, it's obviously important in medicine to know how the body works, but it's also very beneficial to know what people's perspectives are on exactly. things, especially how they view the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So yeah, big shout out to the African Studies program and big shout out to the public health program here big at Kent shout State. Out, big shout out. Yeah, unique things that you can hardly find anywhere else. And exactly. I'd incur- encourage anyone coming into college to look into these uh, studies. And I didn't know till last semester that Kent State also offers a non nonprofit studies minor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that. And I'm too late to even minor in that because I'm about to graduate within a year. I don't mm-hmm. want to stay in school longer than that, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to, you know, Put that information out there for anybody that's that's interested in starting their own nonprofit because it's basically educating you on how to start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I read up on it and that's what that's basically what the what it says is how to educate people into starting a nonprofit and basically what a nonprofit do for people and what it is. I think it's really important um, for those who that's really interested in nonprofits and understanding how they work and just wanting to start one eventually in their lives. So. That's that's what Kent State also offers. I'm not sure what other school offers that, but I know Kent State do. I was debating getting a nonprofit minor. Right, me too. Mm-hmm. Even if you you don't want to, 
you don't want to get a specific minor in it or take classes onto it, but you're still interested in yeah, starting I, a nonprofit. You, you can still take nonprofit classes, yeah. I heard. Yeah. Do, do that or just reach out into the community to exactly. fellow nonprofits. Mm-hmm. I know when I first started doing my research in college homelessness, we reached out to Family Promise in Akron and spoke directly to the executive director, and he sat down with us. And mm. I mean, you could tell this guy was passionate about what he does. Yeah. People who work in the nonprofit sector, they don't do it for money. They, they do don't. it They do it for pure passion. Mm-hmm. And so they are more than happy to work with you if you need assistance in anything. Contrib- contribute to their organization as well because they are in dire need of help. But I mean, yeah, he sat, he sat down with us and told us you know, the exact steps that we, we would need to do to form, to form a program or to start a nonprofit organization. Yeah. I mean, these people, these people are great mentors out here. Just yeah. Reach out to your local community, yeah. and you know you help them with their organization in terms of volunteer work, and they'll give you the knowledge that you need to start your own. So, do you know uh, the Kent Social Services? You ever heard? Of the, I think one thing that they really emphasize, if if you eventually do want to start your own nonprofit, is grant writing and mm-hmm. uh, learning how to write grants. Because yeah. they, they they're like ten pages or something like that. They're long. You have to write a, a book. You have to write. We have to write a book basically <laughs> just to, just to get like some money. But mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of nonprofits where a lot of nonprofit monies come come from is grants. Mm-hmm. And if you want to start your own nonprofit, learning how to write a grant, like uh, it's a it's a skill. Like you yeah. need to know this. Like how researching is important for those who want to conduct research and then mm-hmm. eventually like become journalism or journalists or just. Start your own um, documentary. If you want to start your own nonprofit, you need to know how to write grants because you can't get funded from anywhere else, not from the government, not from anything else, but from grants. Mm-hmm. I think that um, you can also take that class here without even become without being a minor is grant writing. And yeah. I feel like that's really important. It's so important. It goes back again to that idea of communication. Exactly. If you know how to, if you know, if you know how to write effectively, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to take you places. Exactly. That's, so, that's going to take you far. And I, I believe I know how to write, but not not grant titles grants like, yeah, yeah like for grants yeah that's that's something that's that's yeah i mean neither do i it's always a skill that can be learned it's yeah, like it's yeah. like any any anyone can learn a skill yeah, anyone it's not like we're skill. we're born we're born with interests mm-hmm. and then you know we're born with skills too but i mean if anyone wants to get good at something mm-hmm. and do something anyone can learn yeah it's <laughs> also just staying disciplined with during, yeah. during that too but I mean, that's that's all self control and how how willing are you, like how willing are you to go this far? Yeah, to do what you would like that, to do. That, that dedication, and the dedication for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Tyrese, if there was one more thing you one wanted to thing. share with the world, what would it be? I'll just say one thing I'll share with the world is just just chase what what makes you happy instead of chasing the check. You know, chasing the check is always it's always a good thing. You know, because you no know, money basically make the world go around. I don't want to say that, but a lot of people say that's true. Instead of chasing the bag, chase a smile. You know, Labor Day, I was so upset. I don't even know why. Yeah. I was just upset. And I, I, I couldn't, like, that kind of ruined my day for me. I was with family. I was with friends. I was with my little brother I barely see. So I was with him pissed off mm-hmm. for no reason. And even though, like, I could have all the money in the world, you could still wake up pissed off. Yeah. And I would just say, if you want to be rich, okay, yeah, be rich. But if you want to be happy, you have to work for that too. I feel like it's easy to make a lot of money, even though it's not not for most people or they, people, not a lot of people know know how. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to make a lot of money. It's not that hard. If like, you know, if you know, if you understand like, how money works. You, it's easy, but mm-hmm. it's not easy to like like. I'm not sure if you know, but 
uh, uh, during social media, a lot of um, a lot of people have been posting this girl who ended up killing herself. She ended up sending a long text to her boyfriend, saying that she was able to hide her um, depression from her boyfriend mm-hmm. and this, that, and the third. But she just couldn't do it no more. Yeah. Like, even though she, this guy was the the love of her life, she just couldn't do it no more. And that's because she wasn't really truly happy with herself. So she could have all the money in the world, but she could still kill herself because she's, she's, she's not happy. So mm-hmm. instead of chasing that bag, just chase a smile, man. Just chase a smile. That's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, if... Or chase both, actually. Yeah. You know, chase both. A, but, like, if, you, <laughs> if you're happy with yourself, and, I mean, you focus on yourself to the point where you're at the best of your abilities, yeah. I mean, it's going to come, man. Mm-hmm. Don't focus on being a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Focus on making yourself the type of person a millionaire is yeah you know what i mean exactly mm-hmm. and I, I believe if if you can do that then waking up like having like like everybody woke, wake up on the wrong side of the bed like this, all this, the time this, this is like even lebron even yeah. michael jordan even even uh, like chris chris Hemingsworth, like <laughs> we, they all wake up on the wrong side of the bed but at the end of the day they're doing what they love and they're happy to do it it's not like they're just Waking up on the wrong side of the bed because they have to go to work. I right. mean, they probably woke up on the wrong side of the bed because they ate something that would make their stomach upset. <laughs> but as long as they're happy, they're happy. So I feel like that's that's all I that's all I really gotta say is just don't, don't don't let don't let anybody try to ruin your day or don't don't even push yourself down. Always keep a, a, a happy spirit, a, a, a lift your spirit up when you need to. Do what you love to do. If your spirit is down, do what you love to do. That's one thing I say all the time too. Like that same day I was pissed, I went went home and started playing video games. I love playing video games, so that's what I did, and I was fine the next day. But just do what you love to do. I just say that, and you'll be happy. And I love what I'm doing right now, and I'm I'm pretty happy. I don't have a lot of money, but I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm wealthy and I'm wealthy in spirit, you know. Wealthy on the inside. Yep. that's what we need. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all I got to say. Shout out to that. Shout out to you. Yeah. Well, Tyrese, it's been awesome having you on. No You're problem. welcome back anytime. Oh, Keep yeah. me posted on status of your upcoming projects yeah. and when this documentary is going to be out for the public. I'll definitely let our listeners yeah, I, I can know. Show you, I can show you part part four or three if you'd like to yeah. send you the link and you can watch it whenever. And I mean, I'll let everybody else know. I'll let you know when it's um, ready, ready. I mean, it's, it's basically ready now. I just have parts that we need to fill in for, for historical figures that, that need narrations for. We need to fill that part in. But we're pretty much done with the documentary. We're still working on that, but yeah, um, we're about to move on to um, number two of the year, and we'll see how that goes. I'll let you guys know how how to end up working now. I'm doing research for that when it starts, start, starting maybe November, depending on how soon we get this this first documentary done. But it's pretty much done, and we're starting on the next one. So yeah, that's it. Just keep me posted. Got you. Our listeners are going to love to hear what you're doing in the future. No problem. Man. I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's awesome to be here too. I can't mm-hmm. wait to come back. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully we'll get some decor up in here. Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's new. The studio we were in at the beginning was kind of crammed. Now it's a four seater. Yeah, but I could go for some posters. I mean, you'd go for some posters. Uh, I probably probably get a. I don't know. I think posters. That's pretty much it. I, I was gonna say like it looks like a dude, like the eyes, the nose, uh, the, the mouth. It looks like a. <laughs> it hour, looks like Squidward. Oh but, yeah, the hourglass. I don't, I don't know what's happening here, but they kind of need some new paint. <laughs> some new paints. Maybe change the color in here. <laughs> Well, so Ken State Blue. If if anyone wants to give us a grant, <laughs> send, send it my way. Ken State Blue or some um, Flash Gold. Green and gold. Yeah. Or blue and gold. <laughs> blue and gold. Green, big, big, you a Packers fan or something? 
No, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh, me same here. Born and raised Cleveland. I got to support them until the day I die. <laughs> yep, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love my Browns. But truthfully, I, I see ourselves going, I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to be bad this year. I'm not going to lie. Oh, in our division, I'll say. We're not going to be a bad team. Yeah. But in fourth place, I see I see happening. It's okay, though. I wish we would have kept Baker Mayfield. Truthfully, Just watch. That, that, that dude's got a passion. I, I mean, wish. He was, a, he was a walk-on in college. I wish he would have just sat out that year because I feel like we would have kept him. We would have kept him, maybe signed, like, another backup, just a, a decent backup, you know, and just kept him. If he would have sat out that year, I would definitely wouldn't, wouldn't mind. But he decided to play, and that pissed me off because yeah. he knew he was hurt. I wouldn't play if I was hurt personally. But, I mean, I, he just had that fire. He just he, wanted to get out there. Yeah, but he was selling. I know. He was selling. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. I mean, like, we all are, like, we're every, every, nobody's, nobody's Tom Brady. Nobody's Aaron Rodgers. But – Baker, if you know you're hurt and like you th- you throw it your right, but you need your left arm to like, right, like to follow through with, and mm-hmm. he can't follow through all the way, then he can't throw as far, he can't be as accurate. So, like his his left shoulder is now healed. He looked good. Not gonna lie, I'm not worried for the first game, but I can't wait to watch it. You know, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I feel like our Browns defense is better than their whole team. So yeah, like, that's <laughs> like the strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> but um. No, I'm just being biased. Um, he got traded to the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Just just watch. And this opinion has been documented on September 7th, mm-hmm. 2022. Just watch. He's got a grudge against the Browns now, oh, and he's yeah. going to take the Panthers to the Super Bowl. We're saying this on September 7th, 2022. September 7th, 2022. It may not be this year. But before his career gets out, he's going to take the Panthers if to the Super Bowl go, as a starting quarterback. If they go nine and eight, he's getting traded. I'm sorry. Well, wherever he goes, he's eventually, <laughs> he's eventually, he's eventually, dude's going to be a star. Yeah, he, I think he's. I, just, I think he's going to be a star somewhere else for sure. Like if he go to the Saints, if he went to the Saints, yeah, yeah, he was going. Oh, he's going to eat. Oh, yeah, he's going to go crazy in that, especially in that division. Like I feel like he's going to do well. Yeah, he he might have a winning record with the with the with the Panthers, but. If he went to the to the Saints, then yeah, because Jameis Winston, he's good, but he's injury prone. And I mean Baker, he's been injured too, but I don't think he's gonna be too bad, I guess. But then the the, the Panthers' offensive line isn't that good too. I heard, so we'll see how he does the first game against Miles Garrett. Yeah, because Miles Garrett against Miles Garrett against Miles Garrett <laughs> and Jadavian Clowney too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I think he's gonna be running for his life, truthfully. Yeah, no, but my Miles Garrett is a scary dude. Yeah, he he's, he's like. Favorite to win defensive player of the year or something. So I'd vote for him. I yeah. vote for him. Too. I vote for him in the last year. So yeah. Also documented September seventh, two thousand twenty-two. Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year for Both sure. Both of our takes. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season to watch. But with without Deshaun Watson, it's not gonna be a good season for the Browns. No. But for for football fans, period. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun season. For Cleveland football fans, just for football fans, just for period. football fans, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like watching football on a Sunday, like just that's who you are. Then yeah, it's gonna be a fun season for you mm-hmm. to watch. But if you're a Browns fan, you're gonna be pissed. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be pissed. I know I am. Yeah, I'm just gonna like turn it off. For I the mean, first. I'm gonna I'm watch. I'm gonna watch up to three quarters. If they're doing pretty well, I'll keep watching. But if they're losing by 14, then third quarter, I'll probably stop. I'm yeah. gonna edit my podcasts during the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna watch it by myself and then just edit podcasts. Oh, first game starts tomorrow, don't it? <laughs> yeah, I got it this one. Bills versus Rams mm-hmm. tomorrow, huh? That's going to be a good game. Yeah. yeah. Do you do fantasy football? Um, No, I should have. I'm in two my- leagues right now. I got Josh Allen starting for both of my leagues. So, go really? Josh Allen. <laughs> Shout out to Josh Allen. 
I'm an I'm an RA and my uh, my residents they started a fantasy football league and uh, they asked me to join but the draft is when I was on duty uh, so like I could, like I was doing I think, rounds I think it's the last day for the draft too if you do the draft tomorrow I think it's I think it's gonna be too late I think the, the first game start at eight fifteen or something I don't know I don't know I don't know but I think today is the last day to do a draft so yeah yeah it's okay it's, I, I I'm excited because we're, we're waging this so hopefully I can win. How much you got on it? It's, um, well, it's twenty dollars per player. I think it's sixteen players. So whoever, whoever win the whole league. Yeah, that's that's a. It's like two hundred and forty dollars. Yeah, two hundred forty bucks right there. Yeah. That's crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money, but hopefully, I mean, a sixteen players. So it's like it's not gonna be a high chance. One out of sixteen. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you done this a lot before? Like, what's your? I didn't do fantasy last year. Uh-huh. I, I was too busy. But like, two years ago, I did, and I think I came in third one uh, one league in like. 50 other leagues so I mean mm-hmm. it's improvement I guess but hopefully I, I I feel like I know football enough to be to be a, to be a first place type yeah. of guy you know there's, there's no second place like so like if you're first place you're getting everything so I don't want to be second place I don't want to be third place I won't be content right no one no one no one trains for a silver no, no you go no for one the you, you go for the silver, gold yeah <laughs> I don't want to train for silver everybody everybody want to be a winner mm-hmm. but it was only it's only a few winners in this world you know I think there's two of them sitting in this room right now. Yeah, two winners right here. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, though. And we'll keep you updated on our achievements. <laughs> Again, Tyrese, awesome for having you on. No problem, man. Awesome. I love being here. Yeah. It was a vibe, for sure. Well. I mean, it's, it's still a vibe. It's still a vibe. <laughs> it's a vibe with us. It's, like a, it's okay. I don't need to see that. I need to know that's there. We're still vibing here. Again, this is your host, John, of the Research Review creating a platform for researchers to communicate and inspire. Yes, sir. Peace out. Peace and love.